In the news, two positive results, neither with a travel history. I'm Shanda Gallego. His Excellency Governor says it's time for Cayman to show some heart. I'm Dion Anglin. The crime situation remains stable and almost full compliance with a hard curfew. Premier Alden McLaughlin announces a list of ways the government will be assisting the most vulnerable members of Cayman's community. Radio Cayman 6 o'clock news is next. Radio Cayman's evening news is brought to you by Logic. Your life connected. There are plenty of reasons to be a Logic customer. There's lightning fast internet connectivity. There's the great overall customer experience. And now for just $10 more a month, you can improve your Wi-Fi connectivity throughout your entire home with Logic Boost Wi-Fi. With Boost, you can extend your freedom to stream, game, and download seamlessly anywhere in your home, like your patio or your underground lair, if you have one. Improve your Wi-Fi connectivity with Boost Wi-Fi from Logic. Visit logic.ky to learn more. With your latest news, I'm April Cummings. We have 13 results to report today, of which um, 11 are negative and 2 are positive. Both of the positive results, uh, neither of the two people had any history of travel. Chief Medical Officer Dr. John Lee announces today what appear to be the island's first two cases of local transmission of COVID-19. We should accept that this condition, COVID, um, caused by the SARS-CoV-2 virus, is in our community. And I do implore everybody to please stay at home. And if you have to go out, keep your distance from people. Keep those respiratory um, um, things to res- prevent respiratory conditions from spreading. Keep, keep, keep active with those. Keep your hands clean at all times. Dr. Lee says to date 220 people have been tested. There have been 205 negatives, 14 positives, and one inconclusive result, which we await word on from the Caribbean Public Health Agency. The news, of course, brings a lot of questions about protecting ourselves and our community. We'll have more on that a bit later in this newscast. The Cayman Islands are facing some tough times ahead, and the government has plans to assist as best it can. Radio Cayman's Felicia Rankin-Solins has more on that. As our lives with COVID-19 continue, Premier Alden McLaughlin discusses how government will try to make those days a little easier to face. We're in the process of developing a hotline for elderly persons to address their specific needs and concerns. Emergencies, as always, should continue to be reported to 911. NAU clients will have extended assistance for three to six months. The Needs Assessment Unit, uh, which is a unit under the Department of Children and Family Services, has paid an additional stipend to persons on permanent financial assistance, seamen and veterans, in the amount of $425, Um, We paid that on the 27th of March. 60% of those in families being assisted are elderly. We are currently providing services and assistance to 1,653 families consisting of food vouchers, rent, utilities and permanent financial assistance. The DCFS has redeployed staff to work with a number of organizations. Also collaborating with pastors to encourage congregations to conduct check-in on elderly in their respective communities. Also collaborating with neighborhood watch associations to do checks on their elderly neighbors. DCFS is also assisting seniors with receiving refills on prescription medication and have distributed COVID-19 flyers to the elderly. For Radio Cayman News, I'm Felicia Rankin-Solins. The Premier also reassured the public that residential homes for the elderly and Grand Cayman and Little Cayman are operating at 100%. 
There has been a great deal of concern over the incoming British Airways flight, the Airbridge, that the Premier and the Governor have been talking about. Radio Cayman's Shanda Gallego reports. The UK has just spent £775 million chartering aircraft to bring its nationals back to the UK. Um, we should be able to bring in 20 or 30 people who genuinely and compassionately need to return um, to Cayman. His Excellency Governor Martin Roper says he's aware of concerns about those returning on the British Airways flight. But if anyone does return on that flight, it will be properly supervised. 14-day mandatory quarantine in probably the comfort suites, and that would be a condition of travel. But I do have to say that, that you know, these are also Caymanians, and where there are genuinely compassionate cases of people who need to return... We do need to show um, some heart and we do need to show some humanity in dealing with those cases. During Tuesday's COVID-19 briefing, Governor Roper says he doesn't want us to lose sight of the fact that this flight will help a lot of people who want to leave the islands. He adds the flight is also bringing some much-needed equipment. We've been in touch with BA uh, this morning, so the flight will be um, to Bermuda and then to Grand Cayman, and then back to, to London. But it will go back to London via Bahamas, and it will pick up some British nationals in Bahamas, a small number. And we're looking at Monday, Tuesday next week for that to happen. So we'll, that's just come through now, but we'll, we'll put something out um, and, and get that firmed up as soon as possible. Governor Roper says there has been a lot of demand for people to leave, and that's all being processed. He says he's heard from a lot of people who would like to leave, but London is not their favourite route. So they're collecting all that information from people to go on that flight. This is a, a very stressful situation, and all of us will feel fearful and will feel uh, concerned. We like certainty as human beings, and this situation provides nothing but uncertainty. And so it's right that we all feel anxious, but there is support and help out there. So my thanks and to all the staff and the volunteers on the various helplines. That's the Emergency Travel Helpline, the Needs Assessment Unit Helpline, um, the NEOC Helpline, the Mental Health Helpline, and HSA's Flu Help Hotline. Shanda Gallego, Radio Cayman News. There were no significant policing issues over the past 24 hours. That's the word from the Commissioner of Police at Tuesday's COVID-19 briefing. Here's Radio Cayman's Dion Anglin with the details. Police Commissioner Derek Burns says the crime situation remains stable and there is almost full compliance with the hard curfew between 7 p.m. and 5 a.m. nightly. Most of the traffic movements during the night curfew occur before 9 p.m. and these are associated with the food delivery services. Turning to last night in terms of enforcement and breaches of curfew, Little Cayman, no issues arising. Cayman Brack, six interceptions by police, no breach of curfew detected. Grand Cayman, 154 interceptions by police. Five persons found in breach of curfew, all warned for prosecution. This included two persons who were arrested while driving under the influence and found to be over the legal limit and who will be prosecuted separately for those offences. He says traffic today is flowing pretty well over the island. We have strategic police checkpoints in place across the island. Business at supermarkets, pharmacies and banks continues to be brisk but is being well managed and controlled. 
Supply lines remain open and there is no shortage of stock being reported at the supermarkets. More so, the commissioner has two key messages from reports he received from the command team on a daily basis. Drivers, please be aware of joggers, particularly around dusk, just before nighttime curfew comes into play. And joggers, please exercise extreme caution while you're out running, particularly if you are stepping off the footpath or running on the soft margins. Be very situationally aware of traffic movements. Reports from 6 a.m. this morning, three persons were found to be in breach of the soft curfew. All three were motorists and all three had been warned for intended prosecution. Reporting for Radio K-Man News, I'm Dion Anglin. Now, even before local transmission became a reality, the question of whether people should be wearing masks came up repeatedly. Although wearing a face mask does not protect yourself, it actually protects the person that you might come up against by protecting any droplets from you from going that way. Any droplets that are coming your way will soak through the mask if the mask has been used, but it will stop droplets going that way. So if everybody's wearing a face mask, there is sense to that. So to reiterate, Dr. John Lee says wearing a mask may not protect you, but it can help protect others. Clearly, we don't have the supplies for medical face masks, surgical masks to be provided and um, because we're reserving those for the frontline staff. Lots and lots are on order, but at the moment we don't. Dr. Lee says the team at the National Emergency Operations Center is discussing the merits of homemade masks. Meantime, there is a local effort underway with that aim in mind. I caught up with Rich Dyer of Massive Media today to talk about just that. So talk to me a little bit about this decision to come up with a way to help make it easier for people to learn how to make masks and to make masks in general. Um, so in Massive Media, we have a, an office in the Czech Republic, um, and that's where a lot of our kind of creative uh, work is done. And so this is given us a unique position here where half of our team are far much further ahead than the Cayman Islands in terms of infection rates um, and the effects that was having. Um, and they saw um, weeks ago this effort start in Europe. Um, and so they, what they saw was people organizing in communities um, with without there being enough supply of surgical N95 masks for people, um, people quickly understood that creating a homemade mask was a lot better than nothing um, as it was reducing the rates of, uh, of you infecting others. Um, and the entire point of it really, um, we've got created a website, kmask.com, which is a place people can go for information. But the key of this is the Facebook group, um, which we've also created. Um, the address for that is facebook.com slash groups slash kmask, or you can just search kmask on Facebook to find. Rich says initially they're aiming their efforts at assisting the Red Cross here in Cayman. So we're putting our resources towards the Red Cross effort because they need them for frontline workers because they don't have enough of the surgical masks for, never mind the hospital workers, all the other frontline workers. And so they need these homemade masks to support them primarily. So the initial task that we'll go about is to rally the community around this effort for the Red Cross um, it does give everybody a good focus and a way of contributing. Um, really, the, the Premier and Dr. Lee have talked about how this takes the entire community. You know, this takes all of us. We all have to do our part. Um, and I think something like this really is has a real tangible benefit for our frontline workers. It really does help slow the infection rates, which we see from data in Europe. Um, and it also does protect our frontline workers and supports the Red Cross. We really are like the frontline of the frontline, right? Um, and so that's really what KMask is. It's a built community which people can go to. They can connect with those who can make, those who need. And this is a conduit to allow those people to connect as efficiently, as quickly as possible. And then also to provide all the information for how to make it 
how to keep it sanitized and safe. Again, you can find out more at kmask.com or also search for kmask on Facebook and join the group. They say it's a great place to exchange information and ideas. This has been an unprecedented year. Across all three Cayman Islands, students and parents are trying to adapt to new learning systems forced on them by the COVID-19 pandemic. John Clark is the principal at John Gray High School. It's obviously not an easy situation for all our students and especially Year 11 students. Nonetheless, we will find ways to support them and maintain our positivity. Clifton Hunter High School principal Richard Wildman. Understandably, many of our students are anxious about external examinations and the proposed changes, but we encourage them to remain focused and positive. They have been taught to be resilient and to demonstrate a growth mindset. In Cameron Brack, Lemony Scott's acting principal, Devin Bowen, acknowledges the anxiety surrounding remote learning, but adds that teachers, parents, and the entire education fraternity are working hard to make sure Cayman's children are getting a quality education at home. I wish to assure you that the provisions are in place to assist all students in being prepared for the external examinations. I encourage all students to utilize what works best for you to stay on top by staying organized and ultimately take the very best care of your mental health and well-being as we navigate through these challenging times. Director of the Cayman Islands Further Education Center, Dolores Thompson, says the biggest determination of a person's success isn't IQ, family structure, income, or participation in extracurricular. She says it's grit. Now is the time to demonstrate that grit. Team SciFac, we've got this. Students, stay engaged with your teachers, keep working hard, and reach out to us if you need anything. We are praying for you, we love you, and together, with grit, we are going to get through this. So that's the picture in the high schools. Radio Cayman's Carsley Fuller recently spoke with Montessori by the Seas CASA teacher Mia Bush to find out what it's like on the front lines with Cayman's younger students. So, Miss Mia, how has the transition been going from a classroom teacher to a remote learning teacher? Well, it's been a new adventure, that's for sure. Teaching online definitely has its challenges, some of which all teachers are experiencing in common, I'm sure, but some are very specific to a Montessori teacher. For example, like the Montessori method teaches concepts and skills with specific concrete materials that teachers and students manipulate, and it's a super hands-on learning environment. So distance learning is in many ways antithetical to what we do. Also, CASA kids are between the ages of three and six, so most of them are not proficient at computers yet, so there's only so much that they can do on computers with assistance from parents. It's a big change. How's it going so far? Uh, I never envisioned myself making video calls with groups of kids, becoming far more technologically savvy than I ever intended to be as well, but I guess I can't complain about that because those are skills that will help me in the future. But right now, technology is my friend and also my foe because it's led me to many difficulties and great frustrations. And I see more in my future. But again, without this technology, like where would we be right now in this current unprecedented situation? So I'm very grateful for it as well. I've been speaking to a lot of fellow parents about their distance learning journey. Many of them have really good things to say, but they're also talking about kind of the stress associated with it. And in some cases, it can be quite overwhelming. What are some of the parents expressing to you? Uh, the feedback from the parents that we've been getting is that the kids are still mostly keen to learn. I know parents struggle a lot at home with finding routine and structure. And I mean, heck, they're not teachers, right? So they have to figure out also how to do the teaching of the work. 
But what we hear most from them is that the children are missing the interactions with each other and their teachers. So it's really the social and personal aspects of the classroom that the kids are missing a lot of. To help kids connect more with their teachers, Miss Mia is one of several educators at Montessori by the Sea who are doing short classes and reading sessions on YouTube, not just for their students, but for all students in Cayman. You can find them by searching MBTS School on YouTube. And you may have heard the Ministry of Culture is giving members of the public a chance to come up with the next big hit by submitting to a jingle open call. The open call aims to bring out our creativity in the time of COVID-19. Throughout history, we have seen music used to elicit a much-needed smile and indeed feelings of hope in the midst of a serious situation. Minister for Culture, the Honorable Dwayne Seymour, says the collection of selected jingles will help connect the government and the community in a creative and uplifting way during this pandemic. There are four categories for the jingle submission, and any genre is permitted. A payment of 1200 will be offered for each selected jingle. The deadline for submission is Monday, 6 to April at 5 p.m. You can get more information at gov.ky slash coronavirus. You can also email jingle at gov.ky if you have additional questions. That is your latest local news from Radio Cayman's newsroom. I'm April Cummings.